verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If you notice, we have been ministered on 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 11. Now we are moving to verse 12, and we're going to minister on that down to verse 18. Not all today. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse 12. When you get this, say amen. All right, if you don't have your Bible, you can always look on the screen, or you can turn your phone on to YouTube, catch us live. <laughs> Not now. All right, let's go to work. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 12. Let's read together. Seeing then we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Amen. Now, we're going to use verse 17 for our subject. In verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17, just one verse, we're going to use that for the subject. Now the Lord is that spirit. We use it for a subject. The Lord is that spirit. Will you say that with me? The Lord is that Amen. You can be seated. The Lord is that spirit. Father, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your anointing. We bless you, Father. We praise you. We appreciate you. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for making us your own children. Thank you for your righteousness, your peace, your joy in the Holy Spirit. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your death, being resurrection. And we thank you for now ministering through us to, your, to you be all the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, in your precious blood, all the great that process. Amen. amen, amen. All right, now, this morning we started off with part one. Hopefully, you'll be able to keep up. Matter of fact, we just finished 36 tapes on the administration of the Spirit. Then we gave you a little bonus in there on the Father's desire. Say that with me, the Father's desire. desire. Right, we talked about in six tape our Heavenly Father's desire, and we know that's what God's desire was, that we would have the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of the revelation, the knowledge of him, and the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. So he gave us that in those three tapes. If you, if you was not here, you might want to get that also. Now we want to move into our next part of our message. The next part is we want to talk about uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When I was talking about the administration of the Spirit, we were still talking about the administration of the Spirit. But now we're just going to call it the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Say that with me. The ministry, the ministry 
of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, under the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to bring us to a lot of things that we talk about this morning. A lot of things. So if you was not here this morning, you need to get that tape so you can be able to keep up and catch up. Amen. All right. Now, I already talked about under the ministration of the Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 uh, in verse number uh, 9, we talked about the ministration of righteousness, which we already covered under the ministration of the Spirit. But also, under this teaching that we just finished, in verse number 7, we want to go back to verse 7, 2 Corinthians 3, 7, and we want to compare that uh, to 2 Corinthians 3, 9. And 3, 9 is up there now. He's talking about the ministration of condemnation. And in verse number 7, is talking about the ministration of death. Do you see those two things? Let me put them up there again. It's up there now, verse 7. The ministration of death. Do you see that? That's the first line. But if the ministration of death. All right. So my, my part is to show you in verse 9. Now, ministration of death also, under that old law, was the ministration of condemnation. So otherwise, if I don't minister to you the, the gospel of Christ, or if I don't minister to you uh, uh, by the Holy Spirit, then I'm going to minister to you condemnation. I'm going to minister to you the law. I'm going to minister to you judgment. That's why I keep saying to people, we have to understand. What we have to do is understand the word of God, that we are under the gospel of Christ, the gospel of grace. Okay, not because I said so. This is the administration of the Spirit. So we are talking about today the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, this morning we left off with the gospel of St. John, chapter number 14, and we showed you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Spirit, we're going to go into that quickly in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. Under that teaching on the Gospel of John, chapter 14, we dealt with showing you the ministry or the ministration of the Spirit. Now, in verse number 15, John 14, 15, and we read that down to verse number uh, 26, John 14, 15, 21 through 26. And then we read to you, John, we was going to do this. We didn't get to it. We're going to do it today. John 16, and that will be verse 13 through verse 22. We'll start there because we left off at the other service. I can't go through all the other stuff that I did this morning. We won't, we won't get in there. So what I want to be able to show you in the word of God, that this was what Jesus said to the Jewish believer. He says uh, in the gospel of St. John, chapter number, uh, let me get that because my my TV is going in and out on me. They're working on it. Uh, John 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I would pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. But I said to you, if you look at the screen, we're going to show you different words that the Holy Spirit is going to use to tell you who he is. Now, my message today is the Lord is that spirit. Say that with me. The Lord, the Lord is that spirit. So we're going to show you in the word of God when I keep saying to you that there are people who tell you they're waiting for the Lord to return. Now, there's only one Lord. We can show you that also in Ephesians chapter 4. There's only one Lord. So if there's only one Lord, then we must understand we have to know where the Lord is. Now, the Bible told us where the Lord is. But because people do not understand prophecy and they mix prophecy with revelation knowledge. 
prophecy means what God said was going to happen. Let me say it again. Prophecy told us what God was going to do. As a matter of fact, the last prophet we had that was sent by God was about Israel. We know that. That prophet was John the Baptist. And then Jesus came and fulfilled prophets, period. Then there were New Testament prophets, but they was not prophets sent like there was in the Old Testament. They were prophets who preached the word. So to preach the word of God is the same thing as to proclaim the word, okay? Not like the Old Testament. I'm just going to give you some of that real quickly so you can understand what I mean. Go to Hebrew chapter 1. For those who are behind the screen, I'm going to give them a little of that. Go to Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1, and then I'm going to show you that. Then I'm going to show you the gospel of St. Luke 16 and 16. So you have to understand, you are not under prophecy. That's why you got to understand. So when you keep saying something going to happen in the Bible, then that's prophecy. Amen. Prophecy means what God going to do. You're not under what God going to do. You're under grace. Grace is always the past tense. Listen to me now. Grace is always the past tense. Grace is telling you what God has already done. So that's where you can be able to know the difference between prophecy and... Now let's go to Hebrew chapter 1. In the book of Hebrew chapter 1, in verse 1, now... Now Hebrew chapter 1. That's chapter 11. Go to Hebrew chapter 1 and verse 1. In the, God, in the book of Hebrew chapter 1 and verse 1. Told it, God, who at sundry time and divers manner spake in time past. So the Old Testament was what? Time past. He spoke in time past to the fathers, but how did he speak to them? He spoke to them by the prophets. So when God wanted to tell David something, God didn't just talk to David. God talked to the prophet, and the prophet talked to David. That's how it was. Old Testament. Only somebody in the Old Testament that God spoke to face to face was Moses. Okay, the rest were prophets. All right, so that's one of, the, one of the ones. He has, in the last days, 2,000 years ago, he told you that they were in the last days. People would misunderstand that and think we're in the last days. No, you can't be in the last days. The last days of what? See, you are not in the last days of grace because grace is forever. Once you got back in grace, you're going to be in grace eternity, so you need to learn about grace. All right? Now, but time passed already. Hebrew chapter 1 is what I want on the screen. God who has sundered time and died with man of in time passed unto the Father by the prophet. Hath, past is hath, in the last days, 2,000 years ago, Paul is speaking, has in the last days spoken to us. So Paul said God has spoken to us. Well, you know Paul is not alive today, 2,000 years ago, but he spoke to us by his son. Well, his son is not speaking today. His son spoke to Israel 2,000 years ago. Now, are y'all in agreement? Y'all understand this? Right, so the son, anybody seen the son walk around out here talking? No. The son came in the flesh, died on the cross 2,000 years ago. But Paul said in the, that he called that the last day. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So you have to put the speaking of the son and the last day go together. You can't give me the last days. All right. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. See? by whom also he made the world. He's talking about Christ and what God had done. Now, and then he said Christ is the brightness of his glory. Christ is the express image of his person. Now, that's very important because in Christ is the Godhead, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself, 
This is what Christ did. He purged our sins. So what did Christ do? He purged our sins. So it didn't happen with the water baptism. See, if you hear what the words say, you know people over here in the Old Testament is not right. He purged our sins, and the Bible says, what happened? I was at verse 3. Okay, there we go. He, 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 he purged our sins. Sat down, okay, there you go. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. See, he obtained his name by inheritance. All right. Now, I'm done with that, but I just want to show you that. Okay. Now, we're going to go to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14, uh, and show you verse 15 and, and move on into that, because I want to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John, chapter 14, verse 15. And from here, we can go to John 16, 13 through 22. So we want to stay on focus and get, this, get something done here. Thank you very much. The Gospel of St. John, I'm waiting on that, chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Now, if you wasn't here this morning, you need to write down the word comforter. That's what God promised you. He said he's going to give you another comforter. Now, the word comforter is self-explained. If he's a comforter, then he's the one that comforts you. And then it said that he may abide with you forever. So it's not like he's going to leave you. He's going to be with you throughout eternity. All right? Now, the next verse says, in verse number now, verse number 16, right? All right, verse 16 says, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, verse 16. Verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth. Now he's going to tell you another name of the Holy Spirit, even the spirit of truth. So you keep up with the name because I'm going to ask you. This is not a game. I'm teaching you who in you. Number one, who in you, number one? The comforter. Who, number two? The spirit of truth because I just told you, right? The spirit of truth, and then it says, whom the world cannot receive, talking about the unbeliever, cannot receive because he seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you see me, and you know me, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, if you have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is where? The Holy Spirit is in you, and the Holy Spirit is? Read that verse again. Read the verse again. He said, the Holy Spirit shall be where? Dwell in you and shall be, right, the Holy Ghost shall be with you and in you. So you're going to have to always know where the Lord is. He with you. All right? Now, if he with you, he for you, okay? But he with you and he in you. Now, we gave you two verses of Scripture this morning that that's what Paul preached. We're going to come back to verse 18. Let's show you two verses that Paul preached showing you the Holy Ghost is in you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, you just give you two verses to show you the Holy Ghost is in you and the Holy Spirit is with you. You got to know that. You got to know that. He's not coming. See, that's what you keep hearing folks saying. When you cut on TV, you're going to hear the evangelicals, I call them. Keep telling you the Lord's coming. See, that's the warning going back to Jerusalem. That's what everything is going back to Jerusalem. But the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he'll be telling you where you are. You're in Christ. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You have a New Testament. Now, if you want to know what old things have passed away, it's not hard. Just look at the first, first part of your Bible. It's called the Old Testament. It's not hard. 
All right. Then it says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know you're not your own self. How that Jesus Christ is in you. Now, if Jesus Christ is in you, then how could he be coming? See, all that they was talking about did happen, but it happened to Israel. That's why you have the book of Revelation. All right. He shall be in you and he shall be with you. Two places. Examine yourself, whether you be in Christ, prove your own self, know you're not your own self, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. All right. Otherwise, you will not a heal if Christ is not in you. All right. Now, those two places show you that he's in you. Now, I'm going to get to Romans 8 in this teaching, so I'll cover a lot of more things. Back in the word again says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. See those words, I? Now Jesus told you about the comforter. Then he told you second about the spirit of truth. Then he told you third about I. So if you're taking notes, this morning we put them down for you because we couldn't wait on you. Here we go. The Holy Ghost, the comforter, the spirit of truth, the Father, the Lord. Because Jesus told in John 10, 30, I am my Father one. So I'm teaching you the minister of the Holy Spirit, and I'm teaching you that the Lord is that Spirit. What do you mean by the Lord is that Spirit? The Lord is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Lord? He's the Holy Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit, then the Lord lives in you. So he can't be coming. To Israel, when you read Thessalonians, they met the Lord. That's the book of Revelation. He called them up. They met the Lord. and All these things did happen, but it's not your future. So if you're not sitting around on the rooftop waiting on the Lord, you're going to freeze in Michigan. All right, let's, let's put them up there again. Five things I told you. I told you the, the, the Holy Spirit. I told you it's the Father. I told you it's the, the Son. It's the Comforter. See, those are the five words. The Holy Ghost, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Father, the Lord. Now, we got through with that just in verse number uh, uh, John 14. Now let's go to, to John. Uh, we're going to go to John chapter 15 now. I'm sorry, 16. 13. 16, 13. John chapter 16 and verse 13. When you get there, say amen. John 16, 13. How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, has come. So he told me that in chapter 14, he's the spirit of truth. But he said, when the spirit of truth has come, the spirit of truth does something in your life. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, then the Holy Spirit is supposed to be there to do something. So you have to understand that, because see, what happened is we got our own plans. We, have not, we, we don't have the plans of the Holy Spirit because he gives us our, our day by day. Now, you got to hear me real good because... If you, if you do not, this is why people, uh, this is what happened to, to Lot. Lot wanted to be in Sodom. Lot wanted to be, Abraham was hidden from God, not Lot. But Lot never said to Abraham, should I go to Sodom tomorrow? Lot told Abraham, that's where I'm going. See, the key is you need to understand in this word, you are led by the Spirit. Amen. And if you are led by the Spirit, you, have, you do not have your own agenda. Amen. Now, I know, I know that, I know it's going to take a while, it's going to take a little while, take a little while to sing out. But what happens is people's lives become shipwrecked. 
and they end up in a, in a situation, and the first thing they say is, I got to trust the Lord for that. No, you should have trusted the Lord before you made that decision. Listen, listen, listen to me. One of the greatest things that happened to Pastor Crump in ministry is he listened to the Holy Spirit. If you ever ask me anything to do in this ministry, I will say to you, pray. Because until the Holy Ghost tells me, I'm not going to do that. So when I do something in the church, I'm only doing what I believe the Holy Spirit told me to do. I'm not going to come here with my own agenda. It won't work. My message I get, I must get it by the Holy Spirit. The message you're getting taught right now was given to me yesterday. I, had my, I thought I had my message all week long. And yesterday the Lord said, this is what we're going to do right here. So my, what I had before, on the shelf. Ready, I thought I'm ready for you today. I was ready. But the Holy Spirit... When he tell you what to do, you have to be willing to fold up your little plans, put them on the shelf. It don't mean that, it don't mean that, that the Lord won't do that, but you're going to have to let the Lord make that decision. Now, that's what I mean by, 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 by this message. This message is showing us that the Holy Ghost leads and guides our lives. Amen. See, and if you don't let that happen, you can look back at your life and you can see the mistake you made and it's because you did not... Listen to the Holy Spirit. You got to get instruction from him. You're not your own anymore. You belong to him now. Okay? Now, my wife belonged to me. She's in the office. She hear this message. Now, what if my wife came to me and said, Honey, I'm leaving today. What am I going to say? That's God? No. I'm not going to tell her that. I'm telling you that you heard, you have not heard from the Lord. <laughs> Amen. See, when God, when God is going to do something, let me tell you something. This message is, is, is so you can understand God. If God lived right in the house, why didn't he tell you what to do? Amen. See, the house is not yours. Neither your life. I'm telling you right now, this is one of the greatest things. I said this, this is something God taught me. God taught me this as a young man all my life, all my life. That's how I got to Michigan. That's how I got to Michigan, because I listened to God. And God said to me, and I got, I got some of y'all probably got them, but I got the copies, I'm maybe make some more, but I had a sign, a little tag that said, Jesus for Pontiac and Pontiac for Jesus. Then I got another little sign that said Jesus for Pontiac and Pontiac for Jesus. Now, in 1986 is when God gave me that. 1987, they had in Michigan at the Silverdome, Michigan for Jesus. But God told me this. He says, do not leave Pontiac. I came and told the church. I said, God told me not to leave Pontiac. Our church would be in Pontiac. Listen, listen to me now. God, I told my wife. I said, we must build, we're going to build a new home. We've built two homes since we've been to Michigan. And I told her, I said, we're going to build a new home, but we're going to have to build it right here in Michigan. And we found out that they was building on the golf course. I told my wife that, well, this is our chance. We put our house up for sale. And I said, the people across the street are going to buy it. And they did, because we looked at their plans. 
at that time I was living in the, in the door of the emergency door of the general hospital. And we had a nice brick home, mother-in-law suite. But I told my wife, I said, this ain't not where we're going to stay. We're going to build us a new home. We're going to sell this house to the hospital. And they paid us cash because they wanted our property. How do I know that? God showed me their plans. He said, you go over there and look at their plan. They got them all in the thing. You go there and look at what they're going to do next. And I look at their plan. They said, they're going to build a house. They're trying to get our house right there on their plan. They want to build something. They got them on their plan. So I called the man up. I said, we are moving. I'm at calling you first if you want to get it. Now I can sell it to somebody else, and you got to buy it from them and pay more money. He said, no, we want it. <laughs> but that's how God operates. My wife went over there and put our hands on the tree. The second house on the left, on the golf course, put our, uh, uh, and she'll tell you, put our hand on the tree and we asked God for our house right here. Which they had never built one like that, so we had to wait till they build the first house on the end for we'll be able to look at it, whether that one we wanted. That's how God did. That's how God did us. And I told my wife that time, I said, we will be here for 10 years. I said, right now, right now we will be here to 10 years, 1986 to 1996, we will be here at this house. And once, once 10 years, we will move again and build another house. Go ask her to the exact year is when we moved. See, all I'm, all I'm telling you is we stayed there from 1996 to 2006 is when we built our house where we're at now. That's what I told my wife when we moved in. I said, 1986, Pontiac Motors closed. I was in a job bank for 10 years. And God showed me in 1996, you retire. I retired when I was 46 years old with 30 years of seniority. My daddy died in 19, my daddy died when he was 46. I retired from General Moses 46. But I'm showing you when God show you what to do, you will never stop going forward. But he got to show you what to do. You cannot, you got to understand something. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching you because this ministry is based on the Holy Spirit. When God showed me this church in a dream, saw it, saw the one we bought before we moved here, showed it to me. Showed it to me. The one we got on Martin Luther King when I went to that church, he showed it to me. That's why I agreed to go there. That's how long I've been walking with God, 40 years ago, since I've been in ministry. But I've been walking with God a long time. But you have to understand, when God told me to buy this property, I went to the church I was with at that time, and I told them, I said, well, this is what we're going to do. I, I made it on the tape. Don't go bother Brother Charles now, because he doesn't have this now. <laughs> but anyway, I gave it to all of my people there, and I told them, God gave me a tape called Set the House in Order. Nobody the church but myself. He said, Set the House in Order. This is what I want you to do, A, B, C, D. And he told me that we're getting ready to move. He said, you, you buy this property. My wife, he said, don't tell nobody, just buy it. And this is the property we bought right here. And we poured, we poured oil, olive oil on the place you have the church right now. The la we prayed all over the building, prayed all the parking lot, but, it, but this was a place where they had no more drugs. We, we picked up, we picked up with a, with a, dump, with a dumpster. They brought a dumpster here and left it. And, and it, a whole dumpster was for needles and all kind of stuff. We filled that dumpster up with glass and all bottles and whiskey bottles off of this property because this is where God was going to build his church. 
And I'm telling you that that's what happened. Some of y'all do not know. But God told us this is what the man came and told me, uh, try to get this land from us once we bought it. He called me on the phone and he called me. He said, he said, he says, uh, I know I told you I'm going to give you this. I'm going to sell you this land. But I got an offer for double for what you're paying it for. Uh, you think you, we can make a deal. I get you the land that they got over here that they're working on right now over there by Dorothy. That's the land he want to give us. I said, no, we're going to build a church right here. He said, man, I got, I got 28 homes to get ready to put in there. I said, I don't know, but God's going to put a church in there. <laughs> so he said, well, I, I, you're not going to change your mind. I said, no, I'm not going to change your mind. He said, so we went on to sign the paperwork, and God gave it. I had done that before I even met with the church because God told me to buy the property. So you got to understand, when you walk with God, you can't wait on, wait on people to tell you what, you, what they think. God told me to buy the property. So what I did is I bought the property. Just like when I got ready to get my home, God told me to buy the property. I went over there to get that property, and uh, Sister Cheryl folks had that property. You know, Cheryl folks go here, right? And Brother Reginald Hayes did all the work, the write-up. But Cheryl folks had bought my property. And I told Sister Cheryl folks, I said, you know, we were going to buy that property. She said, Pastor, I know. We, was, we waited on a long time, too. I said, okay, then. It was not a week. And Reginald Hayes called me on the phone. He said, hey, uh, you still want that property? I said, sure do. He said, well, Sister Cheryl said they're not going to be able to get it now because they've got to make a major decision. They're not going to be able to get the property. But you're going to have to have a certain amount of money in one or two days. I said, no problem. He said, Pastor, this is going to be a lot of money. I said, no problem. And we bought the, can't tell you what it was, but we bought, we bought the property. And we built our home on the property. But if God had not sold it to Sister Cheryl, I would have never got it. <laughs> you got to see how God, you got to see how God doing it. You got to see how God doing it. God made sure we had this property and he told me what to do. Told me what to do. Told me step by step by step on what to do at this place. When we first came here, my wife and I, we met the man with the blueprints. And the man told us that this property is going to cost, you, you're going to pay a lot of money here. Matter of fact, uh, we was out of like $3.5 million just to be able to get there. And we didn't have, you know, we didn't have no kind of $3.5 million. That man told me that I, my, I, I stood there and froze looking at that man in the face. Because <laughs> I never heard no $3.5 million. Now, when God tells you something, and if your faith is not strong enough, big enough, then what God says to you will be too big for the faith you have. See, the faith you have is supposed to be growing now, so when your chance comes or when your time comes, you'll have the faith strong enough or big enough to stand up to what God's going to tell you. And you can't do that. You can't receive the blessing from the Lord. Some things are just too big for you to handle. Your faith got to be big enough to receive what God's going to do. See, and when, when God said that, I told him, I look at that man right in the face. I said, we can do that. I look at my wife and say, can't we do that? <laughs> $3.5 million, we never heard no $3.5 million. But when we moved into the building, we only owe 2.2 million. From 3.5. 
from the time we moved in in 1999. Reason I'm saying this here because this year is our 20th year that we have been in this place. Somebody get a lot of big hand. I haven't got away from my message, but I just my spirit just just you know just that heartbeat there to share this with with you. See, that's what I'm saying. You got to know what God's doing. 20 years, we never miss a payment. 20 years. That's how faithful our God is. And you got to understand something. You got to do what God tells you to do. That's what, see, I'm left that. You got to know when God leading you and guiding you, telling you what to do, do what he tells you. You don't understand things, but our payment for the 20 years was 20 grand per month. I heard some of y'all, oh, oh. That's what I said, too high. But the key is, when I heard the 3.5, I said, but I couldn't let the man know I was an unbeliever. I looked it right in the face and said, we can do that. Matter of fact, my God, shell supply. See, that's where I got that from. All of my need, <laughs> according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we believe God, church. This church is a church that believe God. If you want to be a part of a ministry that believe God, you at the right church. Because that's how we live. That's how we live. We believe God. We trust God's word. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, I just gave you just a little bit, you know what I mean? But anyway, we got this place, this place. Then, we, then the Lord said, and this is what the people did. We had just got, uh, got the place. We were from $3.5 million, but God had blessed us. From the time we started building this ministry, we were down to the sign of the paper. We were down at $2.2 million. That's what we had to buy. Then I got here that morning. Some of you were still here. And I came here and I said, you know what I heard the Holy Spirit say? He said, what, Pastor? I heard the Holy Spirit say, it's time to build the youth center. And all the folks got up, hey, hey, hey. I thought everybody was going to say, boo, boo. They didn't do that because they had faith in God. And the people got up and said, that's God. We believe God. They clapped their hand. That gave me in my heart like they, they, they with me here. And I said, it's going to be two. I didn't know at that time, but it was $2 million. That's what your youth center costs. It's for our youth. That's why we're not done. That's why we're trying to let you know. If you think we're done, forget it. But that's what the youth center costs, $2 million. Now, 3.5 and 2 is 5.5. In case you count, right? Then I, then I came in here one day. I said, man, you know what? We need a, our own fellowship hall and we need our own Bible class place. And that was 675000 So if you want to add up, that's a good time to add. But anyway, that, that's what we had. Now, that's not all the stuff in the buildings. That's just a building. But the key is if you're going to believe God. See, a lot of folks say they believe God. But listen, when you're going to say you believe God, you have to believe who God is. And God is able. Amen? See, God is able. Look, look, at, look, at, look at Ephesians 3.20. Just, 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 just a minute. But you got to not only believe God is able. You know, you hear people, he's able. Hey, yeah, he's able. But he, he's able to do. Watch that, how that ends. When you do not believe God, 
you cripple God's ability to do something for you. Watch what it says. Now to him that's able. Say, we, you just can't stop there. He's able to do exceeding, abundant, above all we ask or think. Don't, but as the comma says, according. See, he can do all that, but he's doing according to the power. How many know that's your faith? According to the power that worketh in us. See, the faith that works in you gives God his ability in your life. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, just those two scriptures. So you have to understand, we keep saying, oh, God is able. Yeah, he's able, but what he, why he's not doing it in your life? He can't do it in your life because you're not believing God, or he's doing it in your life because you are believing God. For this cause, Paul said, also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh. The word of God effectually worketh also in you that believe. So if you don't believe God, the word can't work according to the power, according to the word that worketh in you that believe. Somebody said the power is the word. It's according to the power that work in you that believe. Well, what is the power that work in you? What is the power that work in you? It's the word. I just showed you in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. The word worketh effectually in them that believe. The word can't work in you if you don't believe. See, God in you would do the work 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I'm, I'm, I'm not going nowhere. I'm here. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Told you the word work in you. Yes. Hallelujah. So you got to understand, this call, that's, that, that was, we just got through with that, but we're going to go to, that's not Thessalonians, right? We just did 2.13, right? I thought I gave you another verse. I'm sorry, uh, Philippians 2.13, forgive me. In Philippians 2.13, you got Philippians 1 and 6 and Philippians 2.13. So in Philippians 2.13, it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He does both of them. He does both of them. See, but he can't do it in you if you don't believe. I said he can't do it in you if you don't believe. So doubting God's word hinders the Holy Spirit from fulfilling his word in your life. See, you're working with the Holy Spirit now. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, now let's go to John chapter 16, 13 through 20. The Gospel of St. John. Now in the Gospel of St. John chapter 16 and verse 13. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, when you say you have the Holy Spirit in you, then you're not your own anymore. 
You are now led by the Spirit. The Spirit has taken over your house, which is now his house. So whatever you do, you got to go to him and get permission and now let him give you his remarks. See, this is what called disaster. Is when the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Why am I so confident in where I am in this ministry? Because I know without a shadow of doubt that the Lord showed me to do what I'm doing. Amen. Not a question. Not a question. I don't move without him. Amen. Until he tell me, I'm not going to move. When he told me when I was going over there to the first church, the man said to me, he had me to preach. Had me to come to the church. He called me on the phone. I had just ministered. I had been at Bethlehem Baptist Church for three and a half years as the assistant pastor. And then I left Bethlehem Baptist Church on a Sunday, three and a half years later since I was over there. And then that's when the Lord told me then I was going to move on. Matter of fact, the exact same Sunday, I was getting ready to go wish it with another pastor uh, in Pontiac. And then that I was working with in the plant, some guys, I was going to come to their church there just to worship because I had a few Sundays before I make up my mind who I was going to go to church at. And this pastor called me on the phone and said to me, will you come down here? I need to talk to you about some things. So anyway, when I went to his church, he asked me, what was I doing? Well, he already know what I'm doing because he was working with the church I just left, so he knew I just left. But anyway, it's a longer story. And I said to him that right now I have not made up my mind where I'm gonna, what I'm going to do right now. He says, I won't know about you taking over this church. Well, when I looked at the people, there were five members, and three of them left, and then the other three or four preachers, they was all going to leave anyway, so I would be by myself with, with two members. And he asked me, will you take over this church? And I kept saying, what church? But, you know, myself. But, <laughs> but anyway, I said this to that pastor. I says, give me three days. Me and another brother was at the plant, and we were sitting up on the rooftop, and I began to tell him my dream because God showed it to me exactly what to do. I remember just as plain. That's why a man called me not long ago, a woman invited me to Kenya or somewhere in Africa, and I have not responded and will not respond. <laughs> because in my dream, that's where I went, and they left me. And I wasn't able to come back. They had me by the hand. They all gathered around me and said, man of God, and the, and the movie was over. So I said, oh, no. <laughs> now, I know the Lord is that spirit. And I know he would try to get me to, to Africa some kind of way if that's his plan. But, you know, I, I can say I don't, I'm not going, but the Lord has his way, right? But anyway. Make a long story short. It's not for me right now, Lord. Thank you. Now, but anyway, he showed me exactly what to do. Exactly what to do. And I told the man in three days, I called him in three days and told him, yeah, I would take it. I would take over the church. And from that place on, we, we only went up to where we are today. But even when I went to the second place, I didn't know about the building. I went to the Lord. The Lord showed it to me in a dream. 
I went into the back door of that place on Elizabeth Lake Road, and I went in. I didn't know where I was. It opened the curtains. I didn't know there was all curtains, but that's what the angel was taking me. He took me through the back door, through the first curtain, and then I saw the area where the stage, and I said, Lord, this is not going to be big enough. He said, turn to the right, and I went to the right. He opened another, and then he showed me the sanctuary, and then he took me back around. It was a box in the dream. I remember, and that when I went to that place, I saw Mike Mishua, uh who's a brother who worked with us at that time, and I said to Mike, I says, we want this place. Because I had seen it in the dream. He said, well, I tell you what, give us some honest money, because the people there had not bought it, but if you give us some honest money, if you, everything is good, you got good credit, everything, we can get it for you. And that man met me and said to me, he says, talk to your people. I called all the people that we had, they met me at the church, we all look at the church, all agreed. I said, okay, we agreed, here's $1,000. He says, if your credit is good, I'll get the money for you, Crump. I said, well, the credit is good. Let me know. He called me on the phone. He said, your loan was approved. You, you, got, you, got, the loan, you got the loan, you got the building, and it won't be long, you'll be moving in. That's how that happened. Came on this way, that was the Holy Ghost. Everything has done by, this, by the Holy Spirit. But you're going to have to understand, he got to do all the leading. See, you don't worry about how much it's going to cost if the Holy Ghost told you to do it. Let me move on. Go to John chapter 16, verse 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. He will guide you. You're not leading your own self. He will guide you into all truth. That's why I believe if a person was at a church and they was not getting the word, and they said to the Lord, Lord, I need you to lead and guide me into all truth because I want to be taught the word of the Lord. I believe the Lord will lead you, listen to me, to do a faith Christian church. Amen. I, that, I'm, I'm saying that it may be another one, but I know what you're going to get here. But he's going to lead you where you can get taught the word of the Lord. That's all I'm saying. He's not going to do it unless you, because you satisfy where you're at. Okay, let's continue on the word. It says, John chapter 16. He says, guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he also speak. And watch this, he shall also show you things to come. Then he's going to move to the next verse. He will show you things to come. The next verse. Okay, let me get my John 16. Yeah, I know it. Verse number 14 says, he shall glorify me. He shall receive a mind and shall show it unto you. Then he said, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said I that he shall take a mind and show it to you. Then he's going to tell them, a little while you shall not see me. And again, a little while, he's talking about those three days and three nights because he's going to be dead. You're not going to see me. But in three days you shall see me again. That's what he's talking about. Because I go to the Father. Then says some of the disciples among themselves, what is this that he says unto us? A little while you should not see me. And again, a little while you shall see me because I go to the Father. See, he's talking about he's going to be dead, being raised again from the dead. So you're not going to be seeing me, boys. <laughs> then said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We cannot tell what he says. And then in verse 19, Jesus knew that they were desired to ask him. He said to them, do you not inquire among yourselves of that I said a little while and you shall not see me. And again, a little while you shall see me. Then in verse 20, he's going to tell them, Verily, verily, I say to you, that you shall weep and lament. The world is going to be rejoicing. You shall be sorrowful, 
and your sorrow shall be turned into joy, because that's when he's going to see me again. A woman, when she's in travail, has sorrow, because her hour is come, but as, a, but as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembered that no more the anguish, for joy that a man is born into the world. And now, therefore, you're going to have sorrow. But here it is. I will see you again. But he says, I'm going to send you the comforter. Well, who is the comforter? It's the Lord. He says, I'm going to see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, shall rejoice, and your joy, no man, take it from you. Look at somebody and say, the Lord gave it to me. Nobody can take it away. Right, so nobody can take your joy away, so you're gonna to have to understand that the Lord gave you joy. Now, why is he on joy? That's not the only thing he said he's gonna give you. In one of the places he said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world give it, give out of you. Let not your heart be troubled. So he gave you the peace so the heart won't be troubled. He gave you the joy so you can rejoice. Somebody give the Lord a big hand in this place. Now, I want to get to, I want to get to something. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because I, I got to show you this before we leave today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Otherwise, because we have this hope, we have great plainness of speech. Not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not satisfactorily see the end. Somebody said the end. Amen. See the end. They could not see the end of that. Somebody say of that. Amen. They could not see the end of that which is abolished. Not going to be abolished, but what is abolished. They could not see it. Let's, let's go to it. You want to put down the word abolished. Let's go to Isaiah 25, verse 1 through 8. Verse chapter 25, Isaiah, verse 1 through 8. We want to see those things which is about it. Israel could not see it. Israel could not see it. People today, if they have a veil over their eyes, they can't see that the law has been abolished. If people are blind, they can't see that you don't do Passover communion in the church no more because that's the law and the law has been abolished. People can't see water baptism in the church no more. They can't see that it's not going to happen. Why? Because that's the law, and the law has been abolished. How do you know when things are law and grace? Go to Romans 11 and 6. You got to know if it's law or is it grace. How do you know when you go to a church, is your pastor right or wrong? You got a Bible you can read, but how you know he's right and he's wrong? How you know? Because if you're under grace, everything is done by the Holy Spirit. If you honor the law, everything is work. It says, if by grace, if by the Spirit, that's who grace is, the Holy Spirit, then it's no more works. So if your ministry is based on the Holy Spirit, it's no more works. So when I came here near communion every Sunday, and the mothers around me, we had to go out and serve you communion, that's works. And then I go put my boots on, making sure they're not leaking, and go in the water and baptize. Oh, you may want to baptize in the lake. I baptized some of y'all out in the lakes. See, we had to walk out there. When I got baptized, I was baptized in the lake. Snakes everywhere. Man had to go out there and beat them, beat the water. Put down a stick with a white flag on it. People saying, take me to the water. 
See, we got to understand all that stuff we were doing were works. That's all it was, works. But Romans eleven six told you if it's grace, it's no more works. Somebody say if it's grace, it's no more works. Otherwise, it's no more works because it's the Holy Spirit now. And the Holy Spirit, doesn't, you don't call the Holy Spirit works. See, the Holy Spirit is fruit. So when you go and teach the fruit of the Spirit, you say the, the works of the flesh. You never said the works of the Spirit. You said the fruit of the Spirit. So if the Spirit is doing something, you will see the fruit of it. See, the Holy Ghost don't work. The Holy Ghost bears fruit. If it's grace, it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace, see? Otherwise, work is no more work. So you have to understand that. Now, you got to understand how to work. Now, I gave you some things. There you go, Isaiah 20, 25 and 1. Now, they would again to praise God. Remember, Isaiah is an Old Testament prophet, but he also spoke in three different dimensions. He's the only prophet that has 66 books. And if you're a student, you know that's how many books in the Bible is 66. So he gave you past, present, and future. That's why he even told you when Jesus was born and what's going to happen. And, oh, Lord, thou art my God. Now, they're praising God right now because what God going to do. I'm only going to do about seven or eight verses. Oh, Lord, thou art my God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. Why? For thou hast done wonderful things. Now, remember, this had never happened yet. See, Isaiah is speaking in the, present, in the future tense. Thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsel of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made a city in heat. It hadn't happened yet. A defense city, you made it a ruined city. Talking about Jerusalem. A palace of strangers to be no more city. It shall never be built. That's Jerusalem. See, he already, he already talked about that. That's what happened in Jericho. Therefore shall the strong people glorify you. The city of the terrible nation shall fear you. The city. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible one is as a storm against the wall. He's going through what God had done. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers and the heat in the dry place. Even the heat will be a shadow of a cloud, the branch of the terrible one shall be brought low. And in this mountain, that's what I want to get to. That's the cross. That's Calvary. In this mountain of Calvary shall the Lord of hosts make all the people a feast. He's going to make a feast. He's going to make it right here in the mountain. He's going to make a feast. A feast is a dinner. That's what I thought I was going to minister on today. That's why I told my daughter I want to preach on celebrate because I thought we were we going to minister on let's celebrate. We're going to celebrate anyway. Because they was going to celebrate. He said, in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make all the people a feast for the people can celebrate of fat things, a feast of wine on the leaves, fat things full of marrow, Wine on the leaves. See, all the wine is producing, so we're going to have a celebration. He's talking about communion. 
Bread, wine. Got it. You get it. And, and then he said, he will destroy in this mountain, in Calvary. He's going to destroy in this mountain the face of the covering over all the people. Well, pastor, what was the face of the covering over all the people? It's the veil. It's the veil that was in the temple that I gave you in Matthew chapter 27, verse number 50 51. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil of the temple was torn in twain from the top to the bottom. He was destroying this mountain, the face of the covering over all the face of the earth, while keeping all the people blinded. He's going to destroy it. Why is man blinded? Because man has been taught the law and not grace. That's why the people in the church are blinded. That's why Israel was blinded when Jesus came. They didn't even know who he was. He was destroyed in this mountain, talking about Calvary, the face of the covering cast over all the people and the veil that is spread over the nation. That veil was called the law. He will swallow up death. That's what he did when he died. I'm going to show you he gave the law and the law brought sin and sin brought death. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took them all away. He took away the law, he took away sin, he took away death, all on the cross. Somebody give him praise in this house. That's what it meant when, when Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He saw God gave the law and the law produced sin and the sin produced the death. But he saw the same God on the cross who took it all away. The Lord giveth. Yeah, he did give. And the Lord did take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. You, you're going to help me. You got to keep the word up there. I'm going to have to find someone. Isaiah 25 something. Okay. Thank you. He will swallow up death in victory. From here we go to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to show you he did it. He will swallow up death. Also, I'm going to go to Timothy. I'm going to show you he did. He swallowed up death in victory. Those two places, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Write that down, 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. We can get that much done, man. We did some. He was a swallow up death. Now, how in the world he going to swallow up death? He going to swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God, see the Lord God is called the Holy Ghost. So you got God who's the Father, you got Lord God who's the Holy Ghost, and you have Lord, and you know who that is. You can look almost in the middle up there, I got it. See, I got it? If you'll never know who he is, his name is Jesus the Christ, he is Lord. But Lord God is the Holy Ghost. The word God is the Father. That's why in the beginning, God, there was no Lord God or Lord in the book of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God. And they did everything as God. That's why when John picked it up in John 1, says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off their faces. I'm not talking about you. And the rebuke of his people, talking about his people, shall he take away. What was the rebuke? The veil. The law, the rebuke of his people shall he take away. 
from off to all the earth. The earth is not Pontiac. The earth was the promised land. He's going to take it away from all his people in Israel. For the Lord has spoken it. Now let's go and show you that 1 Corinthians 15 because this is what Jesus did. Now I showed you in Matthew 27 and verse 15 and 51 that the Lord did rent the veil, tear down the veil that was in the temple. And when a person does not see Christ, it's because he's an unbeliever and his heart is still veiled. So when God saved you, he opened your eyes. That's how you know you're saved. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, and now I'm alive forevermore. Somebody get the Lord pray. That's how it was. Don't think that nobody can do that. Only the Lord can open your eyes. That's, I, that's, we're not going there, but that is Paul's ministry in Acts 26, 18. We're not going there right now. Here we go. Matthew 27, 50, 51. Verse 51 said, Behold, the veil of the temple was rent twain when Jesus died. From the top to the bottom, otherwise he tore it down. <sighs> okay, I'm done. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. This is when a lot of people read this at funerals. But this is when a person gets saved. This is exactly what happened. So when this corruptible, this is what happened you guys saved. So when this corruptible have put on incorruption, on somebody incorruption is Christ. When this corruption, talking about your soul that's not saved, has put on Christ, incorruption. Then this mortal, your soul that's not saved, shall put on immortality. See, only Christ is immortal. Then shall be brought the path of sin. When God put Christ on you and you in Christ, this is what happened. Death is swallowed up in victory. At that time, death is swallowed up in victory. When Christ comes into your life, when your life is in Christ, the first thing God does is swallow up death. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's one of the things that he does to come in your life. Then he says, oh death, where's your sting? Where's your power? Where's your power, death? Here it is, oh grave, where's your victory? Then he's going to say this. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Let me say it again. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go play that same thing, and I want to see it in the good news. Verse 54 through 58. Then we're going to let you go. Whew. Is this good or what? Yeah. The Lord destroyed three things. Sin. Well, first was the law. The law, sin, and death. If you go back, what did he give Adam first? The law. The law produced sin, and sin produced yeah. death. We're going to show you that in Romans chapter 5. We get a chance. Verse 12. Let's get, let's get it all together here now. We do this, then we go to Romans 5. 12. And when this takes place, and the martyr has been changed. See, this is your spiritual change. That's why we're down in verse number 18. I'm going to show you the change took place. See, see, if you've been born of the Spirit, there has to be a change to take place. Mortal had to put on immortality. Then the scripture we come to, death now, is destroyed. No more death in you. When you get born of the Spirit, there's no more death in you. Amen. You don't have to be scared of death no more. 
Jesus has completed it. You watch this. Victory is complete. Because Jesus, the purpose of him down the cross was to save your soul from hell. Where death is your victory, this is what God is asking death. Where's your victory? Death, your power, where's your power to hurt? Old Testament, uh, other ones say your sting, says your power. Where's your power to hurt? Death gets his power from, to hurt from sin. Do you hear that? Death got his power from what? From sin. And sin got his power from a law. So watch what God's going to do. God said, I'm going to give them a law. Thou shalt not eat of the tree or not of the good and evil. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. It's going to bring death. So God gave them a law. They sinned. And now death came. Now how is God going to take this away? Because he took it all away. See, people don't think. People still think, well, see, you're going to tell man he got no sin? If he's saved, he can't have sin. You can't have the Holy Spirit living in you and sin is in you. When the Holy Ghost came inside of you, the first thing he did was swallow up death. See, Jesus already defeated three things. The law. He fulfilled the law. If he had not fulfilled the law, he wouldn't have qualified to destroy sin and death. It took a perfect man. A man who had never sinned. He said about Satan, he says, the devil cometh. But he has nothing in me because I know what he eats. He loves sin and death, but there ain't nothing in me. Somebody said, no sin and death in me. No, sin don't live here no more. Death don't live here no more. Thanks be to God who has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But, okay, now. What am I 1-8 for? Okay, 2 Timothy 1-8. There we, there we go. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. This is Paul talking to Timothy, his young pastor. Nor me, his prisoner. Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us. See, people talking about what baptism ain't did. Nothing. You got to, see, you being lied to. You know, that's one of the greatest things you have to learn. And when somebody lied to you, you just get over it. Look at somebody say, get over it. Yeah. He saved us. And watch this. He called us with a holy calling. That's the gospel. Not according to our works. Once again, he did not call you according to your works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. Watch this. God's purpose and grace were given to you in Christ Jesus before the world began. So when Jesus came, he came to fulfill what God promised before the world began. But it now made manifest, but it now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Watch what he did. Watch what Jesus Christ did. Who abolished death. Now that word abolished has three different meanings. I'll get into it next week. But one of them means he destroyed death. He put an end to death. See, in the believer, there's no death in you. And yet you walk around here scared. Scared of what? There's no death in you. God's in you. The one who conquered death. Lives inside of you. Why don't you, why don't you reverence him? Death don't live here no more. Say, death don't live here no more. Say, sin don't live here no more. 
See, and that's why God got to make sure there's no law there. But, but it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. He has brought life and immortality to light. He did it through the gospel. That's how he did it. See? Now, in Romans 12, we're done. Romans 12, 1 says, Whereas by one man, sin entered into the world. He's talking about into the heart of man. See, that's why I told you to get that book in the storehouse. We got a few left. When Adam sinned in the storehouse. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. Now, sin that entered into the world, talking about the planet, sin entered into Adam's heart. And then F, death by sin. So when sin entered in, God gave Adam the law. Thou shalt not eat thereof. The day you eat thereof, you're going to surely die. Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He ate of it. Now sin entered into the world, into his heart. And then death came in because of sin. Watch what he says. Wherefore, it's by one man. See, one man. See, what we're trying to do is get rid of sin. I got to get rid of this sin. He ain't talking to you. You went in the garden with Adam and he, you, you, he's talking to Adam and Eve. You listen? One man brought sin in, one man got rid of sin. You just got to believe. That's your part. Wherefore, as by one man sin enters the world and death by sin, so death pass upon all men so that all have sinned. Watch the next verse. Come on. For unto the law, watch this, to the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there's no law. You can't put sin on my account because there ain't no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why? Because Moses gave them a law, so death couldn't reign. See? Even over all of them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So that happened when, when Christ came. So but he said, let's go down and read verse 19, because I, I don't have the time here. Verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17 said, for by one man our offense, death reigned by one much more, they was received, this is what you need to do, is receive the abundance of grace and then the gift of righteousness. You need to receive what? The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And what's going to happen if you receive it? You're going to reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Next verse 18 says, Therefore, as by the offense, what offense means sin? By the sin of one man. God not talking about you. It's the sin of one man, Adam. Judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Condemnation is not coming in your life because of you. It's coming because of Adam. Even so, by the righteousness of one man, that's Jesus Christ. Because of his righteousness, the free gift came upon all men, the justification of life. God justified you because of what one man did on the cross for you. Sin came, made you a sinner because of what Adam did in the garden. That's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with, man, I, know, I must be going to hell when I went out last night, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't mean all that's right, but that's not why you're going to hell. Here we go. For as by one man disobedience, many were made sinners. Because of what one man did is how you was made a sinner. So by the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ on the cross, he obeyed the Father even to death, how many was made righteous. So you're made righteous not by water baptism, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. One man righteousness made you righteous. One man disobedience made you disobedience. I can't go no further. My time is up. I thank you for my...
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.